Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. We're going to talk to Sam Amick coming up here momentarily. We'll ask him what uh, he thinks of the latest in the process to return to play for the NBA. And Gordon, I think, you know, long and short of it, there may be these bumps and these things they've got to figure out, but... I think the vast majority of the NBA community, players, owners, management, all are pulling the same direction. Yeah, I imagine they are. And they've put a lot of thought into this. And there are going to be some unexpected bumps along the way, but uh, I, I think this thing is going to work. As long as the – if there are teams that somehow find a way to get sick, then I, I think that will that might call for plan B. But I, I – I, I think I think it's gonna. They put enough into it to to make it work on the whole. Yeah, it would appear that way. Uh, I mean, the daily testing certainly is extreme, and I, I'm not saying extreme in, in necessarily a bad way. But I mean, that's. I don't know if you can do much more than that. I mean, we can talk that, about the bubble and and keeping people isolated, and we can right. have that conversation until we're blue in the face. And I'm not saying that stuff doesn't matter. But if you're testing every single day, I mean, that's yeah. about that's about as. Well, as you can do, I think. You can't go hourly on that? <laughs> I don't think you can go hourly. No, I don't know. Maybe they have some, some new equipment out there. but Do you think that's overkill? Probably, but does it matter? Yeah, I, I, whatever's going to make those players feel good. Uh, are there tests now that you can take that are a little more casual than what some of the initial tests were like? So I've been. Weren't reading, they sticking a fire hose up their nose? Uh, some of the guys' noses uh, at first. A fire hose? Uh, I doubt it. But well, it, uh, I heard Donovan Mitchell describe it as not being particularly comfortable. Uh, no, I don't think it. Uh, I have not been tested myself, but I certainly have people around me that have. And yeah, I've heard it's not pleasant. But I, I've read into that because that was a, a concern of of the players at kind of the beginning of this that they didn't mm-hmm. want to do that every day. And yeah. I think they've found a different method. Uh, Austin, um, I think they test the saliva. And I'm not sure if you have to do the nose swab, but it is oh, a different I, I it is a different procedure, and that's not a surprise because I'm sure the NBA found a private company to do and process these tests. And as we actually knew at the beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak, that you know there was technologies over in South Korea, for instance, that made testing more uh, available. Avail- well, not just available, but more comfortable, so to speak. I, see. I, okay. I guess so. I, I think they've found some of that technology and. If they get a lab that can can crank the test results out at that kind of rate, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how you'd do better, to be honest. On the other hand, you have situations like John Huntsman, who uh, is running for governor again. He uh, he was tested negative, and then he said, "Wait a second, I got something here," and so they tested him again and found out that he was positive. I saw that, and and that's very unfortunate. I've heard other anecdotal evidence about that, and then of course, uh, your guys and gals there at the Watchdog have been all over the test Utah and some of the the complications that uh, that have gone on with that. But uh, from what I can tell, I mean, I and Andy Larson, I think, was tweeting about this a little bit. Like this should be a pretty streamlined process where you're processing. You know, Gordon, we're talking about hundreds of tests a day, not thousands. Right. And if you have access to certain testing equipment, and again, the lab is crucial, right? We talked to our friend from ARUP Blood Services, what 
is uh, 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 feels like a couple of months ago now, but uh, they're doing such great work there at ARUP. Uh, but they need a lab like that on board, and then I would guess you you really just streamline the process, which makes error less likely, I would guess. Well, obviously, no test at all is better than a, a bad test. Well, and <laughs> if you're doing it every day, I mean, if you get a bad test that mix, mixes in there, uh, you, you know, or a, a, a wrong result, you, you can mitigate that damage because you're getting Be tested tomorrow. the next day. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you, you know, when we were talking about this, and I know the big fear is like a whole team gets wiped out or something like that, but I, I got to think- And by wiped t- out, you mean, you mean just- uh, Excuse sick. me. I should, yeah. I should mm-hmm. choose my language more carefully. I apologize. But if a whole team gets sick- and, and can't go. I think the odds of that are just extraordinarily low, considering that you're you're testing every single day. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's Pollyannish of me, Gordon. But that logic no, seems sound I, to me. I agree with you. I I think that would bolster my confidence. Uh, that would help me. I think feel pretty good about things. Um, that's just not available to most individuals, but. In this case, it would be for those players and and others involved. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. These sports leagues have skirted that issue pretty easily. I honestly thought that that was going to be a bigger issue amongst the general public, but it seems like we've come far enough that folks that want to get tested can with relative ease, at least in this community. I don't want to speak for others. Yeah, remember Uh, earlier on, Jake, we were every uh, every one of our NBA insiders, we were talking about that with them all the time. And every one of them agreed that if you have people out there who really need the tests and these professional athletes are getting tested willy nilly, uh, that that is a bad look. I I saw someone uh, here in our market that went in for they needed someone in their family needed to get a COVID test. They waited in line for four and a half hours. Last Sunday in their car, but they that test. But they got it right. They did get the test. That's not an issue of tests not being available. That's an issue of processing the crowd, right? So I would assume. So that's an entirely different thing altogether. But let's think about that for a second. If you're sick with symptoms of COVID nineteen, and you're stuck in your car for four and a half hours, that would not be pleasant. Okay, but can I be the the ray of sunshine here? For uh-huh. a second, because that's a lot better than going in with three out of the four symptoms and then say, saying, well, I'm sorry, you've got to have four out of the four to get tested. So to even that, be screened, I mean, yeah. to even be screened, which is where we were originally, where obviously sick people were not being tested. So I, I'm Isn't just saying that, that we've come a long way. I'd rather wait in the car for four hours than get sent home. Good point. Isn't it to the point now where if you just have one of the symptoms that they they uh, encourage you to be tested? Yes, not only one, one out of four, two. but they also added two more symptoms, so it's now one out of six. I mean, uh, they've basically, from what I can tell, and I don't want to speak like I'm an expert on this uh, situation but because I'm not, they don't have enough uh, available capacity to just say, all right, everybody's got to go get one. But they've got enough that they're encouraging folks as much as they can to do it. Does that make sense? Or at least that's how it feels here. I, again, I don't want to speak for other places, but I'll, I'll give you another um, uh, a little bit of a positive note. And this even had some kind of negative results, so to speak. But when the, the hotspot was uh, eventually recognized at the meatpacking plant up in what, what county is that, Austin? Cash County. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so and I, I, I you know, it. There, you can read stuff out there that they really should have reacted to this sooner. But uh, that aside, when they did decide to react, I mean, they got everybody. They they gave out hundreds and hundreds of tests, Gordon. To I think there was 
what, 14 or 1,600 people that actually worked in the plant itself, uh, not to mention families in the community. I mean, they, they did a, a – they, what are they – are they calling it a task force or what are they calling it? The hot spot, you know, where they send a group of people and even um, – there was a team that came from the federal government of epidemiologists and they went up there and they were all over it and they had enough tests to test the people that needed to be tested so they could figure it out. And then, of course, all those stats go into, you know, the Utah Department of Health and, and they get released and everybody kind of gets their breath taken away because there are a lot more positive tests. But the truth is, is that was a really good thing. When you discover a situation like that, get up there, get on top of it, test, treat, Make sure you you can uh, help folks do their jobs because, uh, you know, those meatpacking plants, Gordon, they're, they're as essential as it gets. Those folks up there doing that work, they are heroes, 100 percent heroes. And I am grateful that they put their, themselves at risk in order to serve the greater good of the community. And, uh, the, you know, we need to take care of those people. And if there so, are tests that need to be had, I'm glad that they were able to get the test. That is, here, a, po- here. That is a positive thing. Yes, I agree completely. Are you concerned or alarmed that the numbers of cases are escalating? Uh, concerned, sure. I don't know how you couldn't be concerned, of course. Been yeah. been concerned throughout this entire thing. Alarmed? Uh, no, I, I'm going to keep my head about me. And I, I still, my, my opinion of all this is we've got to be smart. We've got to figure out a way to live and function while also... Um, protecting our fellow man and that but do, that remains do you think my opinion. that the, those two things are related uh what what two things that the numbers are going up as we see a, a little bit more of a, a normal routine amongst our society maybe uh and probably i mean that it seems like there's some logic there but i think there's some logic and some other explanations of what as well going back to what i just explained you know, we, we sent a team to test everybody in, a, in an area where there's likely going to be a lot of positive tests. And we did that even though it might not make our state look good. Does that make sense? So I, I, think, I, I think that's a positive even though some fear comes out of it. I think that's the right thing to do. So I, I, don't, I don't know, Gordon, if I'm communicating that point very, very well, but I, I think that we need to, to behave in the right way and do the right thing, regardless of, um, you know, maybe regardless of, of sending the, the wrong message or a message that doesn't go right with the politics. Anyway. Okay. I just wonder if those numbers should cause readjustment of activity. Well, I think we should be aware of it, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, we shouldn't put our head in the sand if, if that's what you're getting at. But I, I don't think it scares me. I'm not going to use that term. All right, uh, let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. In fact, let's hit our open. It's time for your daily assist. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Joining us now from The Athletic, our friend Sam Amick. Sam, hello, how are you? Hi, guys. Hanging in there. Thanks for having me, as always. 
You bet. Uh, and I'm sure we've asked you this question a number of times, Sam, but Gordon and I once again are going over the safety of all of this with the Orlando situation in the bubble. And of course, it comes up with the news that there might be some players that have concerns. Can you share with us again your kind of overall thoughts on the safety measures that the NBA has taken? Uh, the truth is, you know, there's, there's not a ton of clarity at this point about how it's going to function. Now, I think that will probably change by next week. Um, you know, if, if things remain on track the way they are right now, I would not be surprised over the weekend to see this whole thing get formalized. You know, the union and the league could come to an agreement. The Disney-Orlando uh, situation could be, you know, more firmed up. And then from there, I think you'll get more announcements with specific details about the medical side. Um, but I mean, you know, it's, 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 so the rough things that are all subject to change, you know, I do anticipate daily testing. I don't think it'll be, and this is for players, staff, media who are inside the bubble, um, coaches, everybody involved, PR. And I don't think it'll be the, uh, the invasive, you know, very uncomfortable swab up the nose style. I think it'll uh, be another type. I mean, I'm not well-versed enough on all the different options to know which one they're, they're, they're kind of leaning towards right now. But, you know, there's going to be quarantines involved. You know, when you first arrive, there's going to be uh, limited movement and, and certainly social distancing at all times. So, um, you know, one thing that's interesting is I think the within the bubble, the Disney employees will be the only ones who are coming and going from the bubble. So they would present a risk, so to speak, but they also are not permitted uh, to, to really engage with anybody from the NBA either. So uh, that's kind of a general breakdown, but I think a lot more details to come. Sam, maybe this question is related to the answer you just gave, but when it was first announced or when details some specific started to leak out that the league would restart. We asked you specifically if you were excited about it, and you said, no, that's not the word for what I'm feeling right now. I'm wondering where are you on your excitement spectrum as we have moved forward a little bit on this. Yeah, I mean, I'm still not excited. Um, I'm happy that I have a job. I mean, we, we had a rough week at our company last week with, some good people losing their, their jobs. And so I'm thankful in that respect. Um, I mean, I'll feel better once we, every little piece of information, I'm just a sucker for knowing what I'm going into. And so ironically, and I apologize to you guys for being late. Um, some of those answers are hard to come by. And, and the reason I was late to join you today was I was on the phone with somebody who was able to provide some of them. And so I have a little bit more of a clear picture of, you know, how it might look and the timing and the scenarios. And one of the main things is that for the media, you know, you, you either have to go for the entire time, which is an extremely long period of time. Um, you know, you're talking about three months. Um, or there is a possibility at some point in between of, of having kind of a, uh, a a baton handoff, if you will, where – you, know, you could have one writer going for a certain amount of time and then another writer would take over from that outlet. So we'll see. But it's um, I feel a little better. Like today was a good day in that regard. I heard a few details about different things that, that you would be allowed to do inside the bubble. Because in the very beginning, they were painting a picture of um, extreme 
restrictions, meaning like from the arena to the hotel room, and that's it. You are not permitted to go anywhere else ever. And, um, you know, I don't think that's going to be the case. But, you know, they, for obvious reasons, they want to be careful, and they're working with the medical professionals all the way through to, to try to get some of these concessions without giving up anything from a safety standpoint. Sam Amick is with us from The Athletic on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, talking about how you know everything lays out from a timing standpoint and when they start next season. How much is the NBA considering the Olympics and international play, and should they be considering that? Man, Jake, I don't have, you know, I, I don't have a great answer there because they, you know, and I'm forgetting what the the IOC had announced when they canceled the Olympics. About didn't they put a date on when they would, when they would, you know, happen instead? Am I remembering that correctly or not? I I I think you are, and they moved it to basically the same time next year. I I believe the if, memory, year. if memory serves, and, and basically the reason I asked is Joe Ingles was on the station earlier this morning, and he, you know, had some words about uh, you know how if it comes down to it, he'll be torn a little bit because playing for Australia is is that important to him. So that's kind of the oh sure motivation okay. yeah. for asking. Yeah, no, I mean I get that. Um, you know, you're going to have, I mean, you know, I think the, I hate to say it, the American guys are not going to be as torn as some of the, the guys from other countries. There's deeper cultures in terms of the certain core groups. You know, Joe is part of that with the Australian team where a guy, you know, Spain has had a lot of that over the years where they've they've had the same core group playing for a very long time. Um, but that is where the the calendar is getting condensed in a way where somebody's going to pay a price. And so the players off season has already paid a price because they better get their, I mean, if, if, if they're able to go to an exotic location right now, which they might not be able to, they better get that in now because once you start up in July, you are basically not stopping through the end of the, the 21, 22 season, which is just crazy to think about. Um, you know, and then within all of that, I think the Olympics are definitely going to be impacted. Sam, uh, with the uh, climate around the country right now, uh, concerns about social justice and whatnot, do you expect any kind of uh, demonstration of kneeling during the national anthems? Uh, Will they even have the national anthems? I suppose they will. Do you anticipate some adjustment in NBA policy in that regard? Um, Yeah, I mean, I could see it. Um, They're you know, in the past, NBA players have chosen not to kneel, uh, and that I think was born largely out of confidence in Adam Silver. Um, you know, I've had times when I disagreed with the league and had talked to them about how they, 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 you know, they have, they do have a policy in place that that indicates that that's not allowed, and it, it hasn't really been, you know, the spotlight hasn't really been put on it because it's not really enforced, and they. And they have stood behind their players when it comes to, you know, the black community, when it comes to, you know, these issues. And they have a good track record uh, and, and have for quite some time. Um, and so but these are different times. So, I mean, I'm handicapping it. I, I would be surprised if there was no kneeling. I would be surprised if um, I think some of this in the chatter you hear about players being concerned about playing, I think people have assumed that that's all health-related, and I think some of that is is also tied to players having a belief that that maybe this isn't the best time 
to, uh, you know, to be out there entertaining people. Um, it's, maybe it's a, a better time to be out there rallying in your communities and letting your voice be used. So I think you're going to have some of that in the coming weeks. And, you know, and I, and I think that's where it's interesting. The Orlando plan, once it got shared publicly, you know, everybody had this misnomer that, all right, well, there it is. There's the plan. Late July, the NBA is back. It's that simple. And it's not that simple because the players, now it's all, it's a little bit like with me. Now it's all becoming real. Now you're getting the details. Now the players don't like some of the details. Now their their minds are on other things that are more meaningful. So, um, you know, I think in, in that sense, the next month could be very interesting. Sam Amick with us, uh, your NBA Daily Assist right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sam, I want to ask you about uh, LeBron James and his, uh, kind of on a similar note, his um, support of pro-voting campaigns. And, uh, it, you know, LeBron has, has kind of picked and chosen when he's been uh, spoken. You know, he's, he's done his TV show, and, and there's certainly been some other things. But I thought this was a really productive response on his part. No, I agree. I mean, this is even honestly for me, it's, it's interesting in this time because you kind of learn that the the hashtags and, and and the social media support and even, you know, the conversation with your neighbor, like those mean something, but to really actually exact change, it's, it's policy, it's things like this that make a real difference. And to LeBron's credit, he's, gotten pretty good at doing this type of thing. I mean, he created his own school in his hometown of Akron and is, you know, is just literally changing the lives of hundreds of kids from his hometown. Um, you know, this is a very tangible, impactful uh, action on his part. And the cool thing about his platform is that I think it's the type of thing that is not only going to make this impact um, you know, that, that he is responsible for his group, but it's the type of thing that I think inspires others to do similar type stuff and other athletes. And, you know, the longer I've covered LeBron, that element has been fairly interesting because his stature continues to grow and continues to grow. And you see players in other sports who care what he has to say. And they model, I mean, there's been other athletes who went out and built their own school because he did it, you know, it worked so well for him and, and take ideas and steal them in a good way. So, uh, no, I thought that was a, a fantastic initiative. Sam, as far as on-the-court uh, situations, uh, as you have thought about what is uh, yet to come, uh, anything that is most intriguing to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can talk about your jazz all day. <laughs> uh, I just I think the jazz are interesting. I, I feel kind of bad for their group because you know my understanding on the with boy on Bogdanovich is you know, it's just the type of thing like that's a tough price to pay for a season being suspended that he probably would have been able to gut it out through the playoffs if the season had never come to an end and then um I'm tell me if I'm remembering incorrectly was it the wrist surgery I'm forgetting yeah. the body part yeah. correct mm-hmm. yeah and you know, and it, it was nagging at him and nagging at him, and then, he, and then he ends up feeling like he has to have the procedure. You lose a 20-point-per-game score. On top of that, you have – I mean, the Jazz are going to play a part in the playoffs that I'm sure they would prefer not to, which is to say it's, you know, it's the team that it all started with in terms of everything coming to an end. Like, that's just they, – they, you know, they rolled the dice 
in the wrong way, and, and that's not their fault because if it wasn't Rudy, it was going to be somebody else inevitably at some point. But, you know, they're on the docket as the team that it all started with, and so when they start up again, everything with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy is going to be on display. Um, you know, Quinn Snyder trying to be a leader like he was during the whole situation and, you know, get this team going in a good direction. So I find them interesting. Uh, I find the Trailblazers very interesting, especially because Damian Lillard is out here predicting that they could beat the Lakers. And at face value, you kind of say, no, nah, there's no way. But, you know, this is a team that went to the conference finals last year. And, um, and, and Damian's got a lot of confidence. And so, you know, I think they're intriguing. They get Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins back because they were hurt when the season came to an end. Um, you know, I could go all the way down the list. LeBron getting a chance to, you know, to get his fourth championship. Giannis Antetokounmpo has a very, uh, you know, important Supermax extension decision to make this summer with the Bucks in Milwaukee, and I'm happy for him that he gets to make that choice, having known what the Bucks actually did in the playoffs. But you know, there's going to be, a, I think, a ripple effect there. So there's going to be plenty of stuff to get into. Well, I'm glad that we'll have a couple of weeks to dive into it before we get things started, Sam, and we appreciate you jumping on with us, man. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Sam. Of course, our good friend Sam Amick from The Athletic. He joins us every Thursday right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A lot of uh, good NBA news to digest uh, there, Gordon. Uh, But check this out. Guess who is uh, guess who's sitting right across from me right now? Diagonal, of course. You want to make sure we've got the distance, but uh, give it a guess, Gordon. Uh, Bill Gates. Close, actually. Very, very close. I would say the the Bill Gates of uh, television providers. How about that? Uh, our good friend Ryan from the Dish Professionals is here, and I'm, I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a guess, Ryan. You came in today because you've got to record a new spot because because we got a new deal. Big news too, this right? This is the big one. This, this is, is a good one. This is something I've known about it for a few weeks now, and uh, um, I got a setup at my house, and I've talked about it a bunch on the radio. Uh, but you know, Dish has done a. a a bunch of partnerships. Amazon, you've got uh, YouTube popped in, and then we've got this home automation stuff. And with the uh, the voice remote, which is also a Google Assistant, well, how can we make it better? Well, we're going to get you a doorbell cam. Sweet. So this is uh, this is for new customers. If you sign up with Dish, um, you get uh, the Hopper Three, and then we'll get you the Nest Hello video doorbell cam. Um, this thing is remarkable. It's got facial recognition in it. So Sweet. like when the grandma comes over. It'll tell you if a stranger shows up. It'll say there's a stranger at the door. It's super cool. It's integrated, so it'll pop up, obviously, on your smart home device, but it'll pop up on the TV. And uh, I know we're going to get you one for sure. I know. So, so... Well, first of all, we'll get to this is this is some free stuff coming in, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. But but I want I want to say this about Dish because I have my own Dish experience and I love it. And what they've done is they've done a good job putting everything right in front of you. Mm-hmm. So it's really simple. You know me, I'm not smart when it comes to these things, and they've done a really good job of putting it right there. So you just push a button and bam, it's right in front of you. It's really cool. Yeah, that's that's the best part I think is is they've made everything simple and easy. And they started years ago with simplifying like the guy and they put all the sports channels together and but 
you know, now integrating all this extra things, you know, you can pick up your remote and it searches everything from Netflix and YouTube and awesome. Amazon Video Prime. It's all there. The, the doorbell rings, it pops up on your TV. It's just, uh, it's simple that they would make this partnership happen and super excited. And, you know, this is uh, a limited offer for a why supplies last okay. and so hopefully you know we're gonna have it for a while but you know call us up today and let's uh let's get you upgraded okay so just to simplify 801-424-DISH 801-424-DISH if they call and get set up today what do they get so if you call and get set up today it's obviously you have to qualify for credit but you get, you get the hopper three and then we'll get you the hello nest video doorbell cam Sweet. it's like 229 dollar doorbell cam you get it um when you get and then we'll get it set up for you and get it integrated into the system so you ring the doorbell and pops up on your tv lurch on your phone you know when a package shows up you got it. There you go. And don't sleep on the Hopper 3 either. That thing is legit. Like, I mean, it's it's an experience in and of itself. So, it is. It's. Yeah. I always say it's the it's the king of DVRs out there. It's crushing everybody out there in the marketplace. So you got an old system. This is the time. Call now. Upgrade. 801-424-DISH. Give me a call right now. 804-801-801. How many times have I said this number? How many millions Thousands, of times? Yeah. 17, 18,000. 801-424-DISH. Call right now. Get set up. He is Ryan from the Dish Professionals. It's good to see you, good Ryan. To see you. Yeah, I talk to you every day, but it's good to see you, yeah, buddy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, have more big show coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Action Plumbing. You know, the other day, Gordon, we were just uh, we were joking around with Jeremiah Jensen on how we hadn't seen him in a long time. And usually we run into our friends. Uh, whether it be in the media or coworkers or, or sponsors like in Ryan from the Dish Professionals case. But I feel like I don't see people very much anymore. And it was good to see Ryan as he came in to uh, record a spot. Just like uh, it was good to see you the other day, Gordo, when you and uh, Lisa tooled by on uh, on your bikes. You know, it's just you get that appreciation. It's good to see people. It's been good yeah. to see Austin all the way through this whole thing. I feel like Austin and I have, have gone through this journey hand in hand. You know, but I don't, I don't uh, know. Oh, no, not hand in hand. Uh, excuse me, socially distanced. Yeah. Uh, elbow to elbow. No, not that. No, no, with glass separating us, but still I get to <laughs> I get to see you. Tip which, of the cap across which, the room right. to tip of the cap across the room. Right. Yeah. You know, weird yeah. times. But I, I will I will say, you know, you do gain appreciation for relationships. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here, all the way around. Uh, and you are, are I, I I think you should be required to send us a selfie. I was going to say I uh, almost missed Gordon's scent, almost. But I want to see the new do. I, I want to know what <laughs> I want to know what Gordon went with. Oh, the haircut! The, the haircut. Did he go with like a? Did he go with like the Luke Perry nine hundred two one zero like wave in the front? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? No, did did no. he go the that part direction? right down the middle? Yeah. Ooh, did he go no. with that? No. Did no, he go no. with uh, with a little bit of the disheveled look that was the like bedhead look that was that was in for a while? <laughs> no, none of that. None it's of that. Short. Did it's you short. did you dye it purple? No, no. It's just it's just short. Would you dye it purple? What would no. it take for that to happen? No reason to, man. 
if if Austin and I this is a fun segment. If if Austin and I vowed to not bust your chops about your car ever again, would you dye your hair purple for a whole uh, month? I, no, because I pretty much uh, try to ignore what you say about that. <laughs> you wouldn't do it to get us off your off your case. No, that's just no. a month of purple hair. Nah, nah, nope. I think you could. What do if it. you didn't dye it purple? That's all I ever said to you. <laughs> Then I might, yeah. Okay. Uh, Gordon, real quick, some college football news. Um, stay tuned. We're going to talk to Lemon Harrington at 5, and we've got uh, Not Sports Report coming up at 450. But uh, I'll read right from Brett McMurphy's report here, Gordon. NCAA Football Oversight Committee officially approved six-week preseason practice plan. NCAA Division I Council expected to approve plan next week. Schools can start in mid to late July, but must practice minimum four weeks before being allowed to play. Yeah, that, that's not that much different than what it normally is, right? That feels uh, pretty similar. I mean, I, I yeah. think they're aiming for as close to normal as they can get. Now, I don't know if yeah. they can pull that off, but that their actions have kind of been, well, let's see if we can pull off as close to normal as we can. I, I think the big hurdle college football is going to get is uh, fans. How yeah. How liberal can they be? with how they put people in the stands to watch their product. Yeah, when I hear certain school presidents say that they'll be playing in front of fans, I I, I wonder about that. I, although if they, like, uh, what state was it? Was it Texas where the governor uh, signed off on half capacity or something along those lines? Uh, I think it was Texas. And, and you know what? Maybe they can they can pull it off. Maybe they can. I don't know. Uh, I'd have to, to, to look at particular plans. I think they're hoping to pull something off. You know, I know I, I've seen a lot of fans online and talked to fans uh, who are are currently trying to arrange and pay for their season tickets mm-hmm. and wondering, you know, how many tickets they're actually going to get and how that's going to work. Because I think the way that they're selling season tickets, at least at Utah and BYU right now, is they're selling them like it's going to happen. And you would expect them to do that, I suppose, because, you know, sell the tickets while you can and adjust later. But I wonder how that how that's all going to work. And what do you think the likelihood of that is? We're not going to see full capacity stadiums, are we? That, that, that seems almost unimaginable to me at this point. I think the likelihood of it is probably pretty low. Yeah. Um, well, let's just talk about Utah because I sometimes when we're talking about this sort of thing, I get uncomfortable talking about other communities because I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on down in Texas. They can mm-hmm. they can do their thing. That doesn't impact me. But what happens with our local schools certainly does, and I think that's why we followed how the Pac-12 has reacted um, pretty pretty closely. But as far as our community, and I know we're in the what color are we in? Does it even matter? Are we we're in the yellow or something. something. Uh, but I just don't see at least Salt Lake City. Because that's where the University of Utah is, right? I don't see Salt Lake City being comfortable putting how many how many fans does Rice Eccles sit now? Uh, Gordon forty six. Like Do you see? I I don't know if I see Salt Lake City comfortable with forty six thousand people being in the same place at the same time. I don't know about Utah County. I've been trying to follow how they've been handling it. It seems like it's been a little bit different than how Salt Lake City certainly has handled it. But I would guess they'd be uncomfortable putting sixty. What is that one? Sixty two thousand people. In the same place at the same time, but I don't know. Maybe maybe something happens between now and then that makes them a little more comfortable with that. But as far as us locally, I don't. I don't. That doesn't seem likely to me. Uh, yeah, 
I, I, I'm trying to picture it where social distancing can be enforced or in place and and still have fans in the stands. I some people say every other seat, some people say every third seat. I uh I I I just don't know. Uh maybe there's a way you can do it safely, but uh I I I have to leave that up to 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 smarter minds than mine. Uh I'm just trying to picture it. I what I don't want is someone just in a hurry to cram to, for the good of college football, just to cram people in there. I, that, that seems counterproductive to me. Uh, I, I think these medical experts have to be listened to or should be listened to. And uh, if people are really motivated to go to these games, then uh, and they feel comfortable doing that, then then okay. But I don't think you can just do it based on people's hunger for football. No, but they could do it and let the chips fall where they may. I, again, I don't think that that's likely necessarily, but they could do that. If you want to come, come. If you don't, don't. Do you think people will show up? If that were the case, what do you think the numbers would be in the stands? I don't know. Actually, I would guess they'd probably get a pretty decent response. I mean, there was obviously support for that concert that was uh, in Kaysville and then Grantsville, and now I don't know where. So I don't know, but and that's obviously an an extreme crowd. But I would I would guess there are certain people that would take that risk to go to a football game. I don't know. I don't think it'll come to that though. I think there will be some sort of restriction put in place. But I, I'll say this by, by whom the city. Okay. Because if the city doesn't have uh, right now, what's what's gatherings in Salt Lake City limited to Austin? I, I I'm know, sorry, I, I don't know. I think it's a hundred. But yeah, I, I'm not. Like I'm not sure about that. But it's certainly not forty-five thousand. <laughs> so I, I yeah. will have to see where the legal restrictions are at that point. And that's that's essentially what the Pac-12 has said, right? That we're going to, you know, abide by the law, as they should. I just don't know what it's going to look like, and maybe none of us know. Are they? Let me point. ask you this: You're you're always asking me tough questions. Mm-hmm. Are are universities morally obligated to do anything more than what the law uh, requires? Uh, obligated. I I hope they take into consideration whatever is going on. Uh, I, I suppose they they would have final say, at least in the direction. Of uh, of fewer fans, not uh, not cramming fans in. Uh, I, I think they'll have to abide by whatever the uh, government leaders are saying. And I'm perfectly com- comfortable with that. I don't think there is an additional moral obligation. I really don't. I I said this uh, at the beginning of this whole you know situation right after the Oklahoma City incident when we had many many discussions about this and like it or not we're all at the will of politicians and let's all hope we elected the right ones but i don't yeah. necess- i don't i don't think that the university of utah owes further obligation to take additional restrictions on top of what the law allows no but it will be interesting to see if they would right well yeah. i agree with that 100% i agree with that 100% What's that going to look like, Jake, if you have a wonderful football afternoon and you invite people in and then uh, a week later you find out that uh, there's been a spike in that particular area? I don't know how you would – well, I guess contact tracing has been pretty – they've gotten better at that, right? 
I think so. By the way, it's groups of 50 or lower in the yellow phase. Is it phase. 50 yeah. or, or lower? But you know what, Gordon? I don't think it's the or BYU, University of Utah, Utah State. I, I don't think it's their um, job to make that decision for society. Is it? Uh, okay, here's a – forgive my naivete here, but would, would, would uh, a private institution have more leeway one way or the other than a public – school maybe just because there's a lot more bureaucracy involved in a, in a public school there's a lot more voices that need to be heard but i think i think all universities kind of fall under my opinion here that i would guess byu is is limited by the laws of the land down in provo and utah county just like utah is with uh with salt lake county and utah state is with cash county what about being but what about being more restrictive um, I I would guess universities are going to get to make up their own minds, but I'm I'm just saying I don't think they're mo- morally obligated to, yeah, to do more. I mean, if if the city of Provo says BYU can have sixty two thousand fans, I'm not going to hold it against them if they decide to do that. It's hard to imagine that, isn't it? That that's where this whole thing started. I that's yeah. there. There's a long way to go, I think, for that to be possible. But if if it's legally they're legally allowed to, then I mean, we've got to operate. Uh, we've got to if if we're going to tell churches that that they can only have fifty people in their congregations, you know, I think the same goes for sports. Does it matter that it's outdoors? I don't know. I, I it would matter to me because it seems like the spread is less. I mean, I read Andy Larson's three uh, C's article, like a lot of people out there did, so that can uh, that can make a difference. But legally, I don't know. Is it, what does it say in the yellow phase? Can we have 50 indoors and 100 outdoors, or does it make that distinction? I don't think it does. Uh, it does not. It, I mean, it, it lists six-foot distance between household groups at events and entertainment venues. doesn't say if that's indoor, outdoor, or both. Pools are open with social distancing. Uh, Maintain social distancing in public settings of six feet. Spacing between household groups, multiple meeting schedules for smaller gatherings, and stream services at churches, if preferred. So it doesn't appear like they're making that distinction at the moment. I wonder if they will. Yeah, we'll have to see. I circle back to the or an early question in this discussion. If it is okay, whatever that means, if you get the green light, what do you? How do you think the public will respond? If it, if it is open season, for lack of a better term, anybody can come. Will they? Well, I bet one way or another the secondary ticket market is going to take a bit of a beating. Um, I, I would, just wonder whether people will will say if you have someone there who's a big time f- football fan and they and and they can go, will they? I don't know, and I don't mean to keep using Utah as an example. Forgive me, but last year wasn't a big issue with Utah fans just saying, "Yeah, I don't want to go" because of weather and parking and traffic. When didn't they have an attendance actual butts in the seats issue last year because? Of, of circumstances. I believe we talked about that on the show. I mean, I think it'd be similar. Mm-hmm. You know, folks who don't necessarily want to give up on their season tickets because they're hard to get back, so they just don't go. They pay for a seat and don't go. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can see that happening. Yeah, I could Although, too. Although, yeah, you know, you talk about disposable income. That's disposing of it in an interesting way. Yeah, but we've seen new fans do it because it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess we can make that argument or we can talk about that, but we've certainly seen it. All right, stay tuned. We've got the uh, Not Sports Sport coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for the Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going back to an iconic scene in television. And uh, a, 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 Meet the a Beatles, bit. Ed Sullivan, we got no, it. No, 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 no. We're going to, uh, did you see this story about, it was in the New York Post, about the uh, finale, the final scene in The Sopranos. Uh, which story? Uh, how recent was it? Well, this is just uh, being discussed today, okay. so I, I imagine it's recent. Sopranos creator David Chase accidentally reveals what happened to Tony Soprano. All right, let's hear it. He, he <laughs> Okay, let me just read it here for you. He inadvertently spilled the beans on the iconic scene. The Sopranos creator, David Chase, accidentally spoiled the infamously cryptic series finale during a leaked interview for the Sopranos session. His upcoming book celebrating the Emmy-winning HBO mob drama reports The Independent. Spoiler alert, in the roundtable discussion, co-author Alan Suppenall, is that how you say it, asked Chase, when you said there was an endpoint, you don't mean Tony at Holston's, the diner, which was the setting for that scene. I remember he well. said, He said, you just meant, I think I have two more years worth of stories left in me. Then Chase dropped the bombshell. Yes, there's a quote. Yes, I think I had that death scene around two years before the end. And so then uh, the co-author, Matt uh, Zoller Seitz, is that how you say it? Chimed in. You realize, of course, that you just referred to that as a death scene. And he responded with a, with an expletive that I cannot repeat. So that Tony did actually die in that final scene. That seems to be, seems to be the inference, but I'm not sure if it is. I I don't know. Hmm. What do you think? Do you, do you remember the scene? Oh yeah, I remember it well. I watched I watched every episode of that series as it happened. Every Sunday night on HBO. In fact, my buddies and I used to always get together to watch it. Uh, I didn't particularly like how that series ended. I didn't like that that scene. It was very abrupt, and I think he did that on purpose. The reason he's probably mad he spilled the beans is because he liked the 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 the, the mystery surrounding how it all ended. I've even read long articles about theories about the whole thing. I have. Yeah. I have as well. However, some experts, uh, some folks have been saying David Chase did not confirm that Tony died in the Sopranos book. I co-wrote. This is the same guy. He spoke of another ending he considered years before the one he actually wrote. 
Even that scene was open to interpretation. Frustrating to be intentionally misinterpreted for clicks. I don't know, man. When I watched that scene and I saw the way it ended where the, the, the everything came to a sudden halt and it went dark right there as uh, Tony sort of looked up in that moment. I, you know what interpretation I like the best? I like the one where is the viewer who was killed. Yeah, I've seen that. That, uh, yeah, we were never meant to watch it. And so yeah. it was, yeah, I've, I've read that one too. It, was a, it goes, it goes dark. Everyone knows that by now. It just goes absolutely dark in that particular moment. And I like, I really like that interpretation. And, uh, but I, but, but I don't know if because somebody said, called it the death scene, I'm not sure that that really gives the, gives the, uh, the whole thing away or not. You know, what was revolutionary about that show, Gordon, What is that. And I don't know if it's the first time in television history, but I know it, it gets credit for a lot of this uh, this kind of change in TV is that the protagonist was not a good person. <laughs> that the protagonist was not your uh, knight in shining armor, per se. Like the, the character that you rooted for was really a villain. So do people want him whacked at the end? I don't know. No, because you identify with Tony. You, he's the character you root for. You you go against your moral fiber to root for somebody who is a criminal and a murderer. But but, but the implication there is that uh, that those who were involved in creating this are angry that people were rooting for a killer. Right. But now we see that in TV a lot. I mean, you ever? Uh, I I didn't actually end up liking the show very much. But have you ever seen the show Dexter? That's that's kind yes, of what that's all. I, about. I have seen that. So it's, yeah, I don't know. It, it was an interesting change in television where no longer was the, the hero, Ben Matlock, who was like Gordon Monson and practically perfect in every way. <laughs> of course. You know, the protagonist was <laughs> extremely flawed. But you, know you still like? pulled for Tony Soprano in the end regardless. I do like complicated uh, characters. I, I do like that, uh, that when, when a character is seen as a good guy, but really, he he. Good guys can be complicated too. I like that idea. Why? Because it does. It resonates with a lot of people out there. What what you were just saying, that uh, that uh, people, you don't have to be absolutely a hundred percent angelic in order to be a good guy. But I certainly Did wouldn't I say call that right. Is no, that I certainly you, wouldn't call Tony Soprano a good guy, and therein no, lies and therein lies the conflict. Not, yes, exactly. But I also like it when when there are uh, characters who who really, really, at, at, in their heart, are are very good, but they have not been stellar every step of the way. We're not. Now been I'm good not at sure all. there's someone who is a killer. <laughs> Can could be considered that uh, if he is uh, constantly knocking people off. All right, stay tuned. Alema Harrington will join the show coming up next. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.